0: as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. And now, here is your host, the lovely, delightful, insightful, and all-around great gal, Ms. Barbara DeLong.
1: Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Tonight's going to be a, a really special night because I have one of my best friends on here. I have Mark Snyder with me, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Billy Meyer material and, and the prophecies and the predictions that have been made about the world and the globe because things appeared to be shifting and changing greatly, and uh the prophecies do seem to indicate that that's something that's going to happen so welcome to the show, mark.
2: Hi, Barbara. how are you
1: doing well doing well i when when we spoke and i said let's let's look at the prophecies and see what it you know what is in store for us um you sent me some some material to read, and I did read it and um, it, it's it's kind of interesting because it goes into the difference between prophecy and prediction, and it's it's also the material of Hennock, right?
3: Yes,
2: that's correct.
1: Now, okay, so who was Hennock? Well,
2: uh, that okay, Billy Meyer his, has a. We all have a spirit form. According Uh to my information, uh, the spirit form is your spiritual consciousness. It's located in the center of your middle brain in an area called the superior colliculus. The spiritual consciousness on most Earth Earth humans is about 4 million, 4.5 million years old, and it has... Reincarnated many, many, many times. Now, in the case of Billy, his spiritual consciousness is extremely ancient. According to my information, it's 9.6 billion years old. He's lived lives on other worlds, in other solar systems, in other galaxies in times before there was even an earth. I mean, the earth is only 4 billion years old. He was incarnating as a teacher and a prophet uh, before there was an earth. Now, that's incredible to even try to wrap your mind around. But he's had many, for the past 13,000 years and beyond that even, on the earth, he has been the prophet that most people call Enoch,
1: Okay, that's that's what I thought. The Meyer material
2: says Hennock, and there's been four Hannocks in different time periods.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's where the 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 Hannock prophecies come from. Okay. Now, I, if I, you read the prophecies, there is an extraterrestrial that's having a conversation with Billy in the Hannock prophecies, and this extraterrestrial is named Quetzal. Uh huh. So Quetzal is related somehow in this whole mess and this whole story as well uh, because he's also incarnated on the earth and these extraterrestrials that we call the Pleiaren have incarnated on the earth and they've also been involved in civilizations here and there have been certain groups of these extraterrestrials these Pleiaren who were renegades and who lived far below the Great Pyramid and were called the, the Bifoth or the Giza intelligences, and they presented themselves as gods in the ancient past and and really caused a lot of trouble here as well. So, But that's kind of another story we can get into in a little bit. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, sorry. Well,
1: what... No, no. What what I wanted to do is sort of I, I thought that's what it was and when I researched the you know, the name Hannah it took me right to Enoch and I thought, okay, that makes perfect sense. So then now the material makes perfect sense to me and, and before I go any further I want to refer people to Billy Meyer's website which is the com all of all of the information that Mark and I are going to be trudging through and and a lifetime more of material is on that website and you can get you can get lost in it and I, I highly encourage you to because among other things Billy Meyer has and and the material that he's gotten from the extraterrestrials has to be the most spiritual material in the world. Even though some of the stuff that is prophesized isn't exactly you know all all roses and butterflies but um i think that the one thing that is that is that is made up front and and you know that 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 is said before you even go into this material is that prophecies um are subject to change according to you know the society and the world at large and all of that, that that these are prophecies that that have a probability if everything continues on the same exact way it is right this moment, but, but it is always subject to change. Predictions, on the other hand, are, are, are pretty literal. And um, so what we're talking about tonight are prophecies. And, um, it, and, and when I'm wrong, please correct me, because I don't want to give out anything that is not um, accurate here.
2: One little, tiny little uh, correction. Actually, okay. this website, which you're talking about, Future Mankind, is actually uh, was actually put up by a guy named James Moore in uh-huh. England, who's just a person that's real enthusiastic about the material. So the actual true websites associated, you know, Billy has an organization in Switzerland called FIGU, F-I-G-F-U, uh-huh. and that's where you can go get his books and all that sort of thing. And there's a FIGU Switzerland, there's a FIGU Canada, there's a FIGU Australia, and I think that there's a FIGU Japan. At one point there was a FIGU United States, and they kind of didn't behave so well, and the people in Switzerland disbanded them. So, Oh,
1: my. Well, well then the <laughs> other place I want to send people is a book called Might of the Thoughts.
2: Have you which got goes that
1: into, I have that book, yes. <laughs>
2: have you have you tried to read any of it yet?
1: Yeah, it's heavy duty crap. I mean not crap. It's <laughs> it's it, it's it's not crap. It's not crap. It's, it's heavy duty it's heavy duty it's heavy duty material but it's also my philosophy.
3: Oh. So,
1: you know, I kind of you know, wonder if, if, if I was plugged into him or he was plugged into me. Wow. Because a great deal of the material is exactly what, what I have been teaching for years or trying to. Wow. So, um, yeah, I the heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. No, but, but, you know, probably, you know, if it had 10 levels, I'd say to seven and a half, it's my material. And, um, it's, it's really quite fascinating. Uh, the Might of the Thoughts is a hard book to find, apparently. And, and, you know, I have to be perfectly honest to you and everybody out there. I don't know where I got it. Um, I don't have a record of buying it, but it's here. And huh. um, after you suggested it, I thought, now that sounds familiar. And, and I found it in a bookshelf. And I, I don't know if I bought it. I, I, well, you know, I'd love to say it just appeared like magic. And it did kind of just appear like magic. But I, I must have bought it at some point in time. And because when I went looking for it, it said this book is not available all over the place. So I don't know how I got it. But it's amazing material. If you really want to dig into stuff and, and um, you want to go beyond what has been out there, this is a good book to look at. It will make you rethink your own life in your own direction. And the way that you apply yourself to your reality in many different ways, it will it'll shift and change your focus greatly. Um, but it is half in German and half in English, so you only read the right sides of the page, not the left side. <laughs> That's,
2: yeah, you're definitely reading it then. <laughs> you got the right book.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> no. I tell yeah, you, I, uh, no,
1: if, if the it first was totally time I was German, exposed
2: I, to this book was – In Arizona, when I went to a meeting at Munns Park, uh, there was a a lady in Munns Park that used to have a meeting there, and uh, Michael Horn was there and some other people I knew. And they just kind of let me – I didn't have the book yet, and I got to kind of look over someone's shoulder and just read it a little bit. And immediately I just realized I was confronted with a book like I had never read before, and yeah. yeah, there's just you can't really describe it. I think I've, I've I've lost count how many times I've read it. It's somewhere between eight and ten times. Mm-hmm. I think I've read it, and I still feel like I'm only getting a small percentage. You know, I've, there's just so much there. Like the well, you way to I- really study this book, I think, is to take a single page and you can pick just about any one of them and then spend about mm-hmm. a week page at least for me that's that's the way i have to learn it but
1: well yeah it's it's what i find is it's very much like um the Doral material the emerald tablet material it's it's very much on the same um okay gonna word gonna use a new word i've been playing with it's it's the same frequency hmm. and and frequency has to do with not volume or pitch or anything like that it, and 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 our body is a cert, has a certain certain frequency and if you look into into the solfeggio um frequencies there there are are several frequencies that that you know um balance your brain so that you are more open to intuitive stuff and stuff like that so so frequency is really really important and I do believe that the words in the book have a frequency that will adjust your frequency so that you are ready to comprehend what you are ready to listen to and absorb.
2: That's a very interesting and, way to put it. I have it open um, right here, and um, this is this, this this particular page is. Um, I'll read just a little bit of it. But it's 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 not an easy one <laughs> to really wrap your mind around. <laughs> um, well, let me start with a highlight. It says, the phenomena of the selective perception and the selective attentiveness plays a quite especially important role, whereby this perception and attentiveness cannot be equated with purely conscious thinking. Because everything happens unconsciously or in an exaggerated, highly conscious form, which, is, which expresses itself like a sharp clarity in the thoughts, which can degenerate to the point where it is unbearable. In this form, everything is exaggerated and overrated. Consequently, for example, with a human being who suffers from some sort of anxiety and ambiguity of a situation or a stimuli can become evident because the sharp clarity of the brain and the thoughts see many possibilities. And since the human being suffers from anxiety, a situation or a stimulus quickly becomes be pronounced anxiety, and indeed simply because there is an expectation of anxiety and a readiness to be anxious. Well, boy, that is so profound. Um, well, and
1: if you, if you put frequency in there, it makes sense. The words weave into a frequency that triggers a frequency within yourself, which opens you to the wisdom of that particular frequency.
2: This particular book, if I had to summarize it just from a high level, um, I would say that it teaches us how to think in neutral, positive terms. In other words, we're not too mm-hmm. we're not negative certainly, and we're just slightly skewed towards the positive. And according to the book, if your thoughts are neutral, positive. You'll, they'll have the following characteristics. I'll just name a few. You'll be confident. You'll be optimistic. You'll be uh, realistic. You'll be cheerful. You'll be relaxed. You'll be enthusiastic. You'll be thankful. You will persevere. You will persist. You will endure. You will have harmony. You will be satisfied. You will have hope. And when you think that way, what starts to happen is you you are the master of your own destiny. You are the forger of your own fortune. You create your own good luck through your good thoughts, good feelings, which become good habits and eventually become good circumstances in your life. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this, these are the things, this is the book of all the Meyer material, I use every day, you know what I'm saying? It's well, oh, a survival yeah. handbook for me.
1: Well, well it's we do create our reality by our perception of it. And if you come into if if your perception is that which you have just said, then you create a reality that is rich and abundant for yourself. And it doesn't matter money or things like that. And that's I think where the Meyer material, all of it is taking us to in that, that it's trying to guide us ever so slightly towards a place where we are, are letting go of the toys, letting go of the power struggles, letting go of a lot of the other characteristics that we've taken up to this point in time in our life and realize that, that, that It isn't the material things that are important, but it is our intent and how we apply ourselves to reality that is important.
2: That's so true. And he he uh, creates an analogy. He says um, our consciousness is like a garden that's filled with luxurious, flourishing plants if we think in this neutral, positive way. And one of the things he emphasizes in the book is that we must make the effort to clarify our thoughts so that they do become more valuable and more productive and form a life that's harmonious so he uh-huh. says to clarify to nurture your your thoughts and to steer your thoughts he says just like a captain steers his ship we should steer our thoughts and don't let your thought boat drift but take control of your thoughts, and if you do, you'll have inner freedom. So, yeah, this book is is tremendous. I just recommend it. it.
1: It's a great book, but it's not a beginner's book.
2: Oh, no, no, no. Actually, he (laughs) recommends that you read The Psyche, and that's another one you Mm -hmm. might want to buy someday. Um It's like the pre-well because it's this, but there are things in this book called Psyche that are so advanced. I I think I told you before the first 30 pages, I think I read a dozen times. (laughs) Well, I
1: I think what what I want to get across to people, I mean, we're going to go into the prophecies of Hennock because I think they're important, but... But the the main important thing that I want to get across tonight is that the Meyer material is amazing material. First of all, and and I have to admit, when I first met Mark, I was very skeptical. But I was very fair about it and open to you know learn. And the more I read the material, the more I realized that that I mean the material that Billy, all of the all of the contacts and all of the histories and all of the information. I mean, it's 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 so much material, I think it would take a lifetime to read it all, to be honest with you oh yeah but oh, yeah. but but basically these visitors, these friends, whatever you want to call them, are preaching a way of higher consciousness
3: mm-hmm. they're trying
1: to get the attention of people through a lot of other things without you know working miracles on stage but they're they're trying to to get us to a place where we are beginning to awaken, and um, when we get into the prophecies, some of them sound very dire, but they're not because they they shift our consciousness they shift I, I I do believe that in many ways it is a transition from an earth consciousness to a cosmic consciousness that they're trying to get us to see and and it it it's not easy because. You know we're human, and and we've been indoctrinated for thousands of years into, you know, let's let's be political and let's gather toys and let's conquer and let's take over and let's do all of these other things. And I think the the most important, one of the most important things that they're they're trying to get us to do, or suggest that we do, is to take responsibility mm-hmm. for for um, for all of the things that we do, that we say, that we are, to to take responsibility for our actions and, and how they impact other people and other things, and and to really, to really, sh- you, you can't blame somebody else for something. You it's it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Mm. And mm. and you know that's that's a that's a a big step for everybody because. People always want to put blame somewhere else. I know I do. And Mm -hmm. as we move forward, as we evolve as a race, it's going to be very important that we get to that point because there is going to be a time that political parties crumble and fall, governments crumble and fall, um, religions crumble and fall because they have become corporate entities so that there is, you know, so that so that we are at a point in time where who do we look to who or what do we look to and it's it's got to be the spirit that we carry within mhm and and for people to realize that 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 a religion isn't going to do it for them it may promise them a lot of things but when it comes to the you know the the bottom line a religion will not save you the spirit you carry within, and your actions are going to be what dis- determines where you go next. Not how much you've, you know, put in the in the in the in the uh, in the dishes that goes by, or or how much you've, you know, paid to have things happen within a church. And and if you look at our society today, people are falling away from these things. People are not trusting governments. People are are finding a greater sense of spirit within themselves than in a church or a congregation where someone is telling them what to believe. Mhm.
2: I uh, uh, had a very interesting conversation with with a fellow last night who is a good guy and he's he's very religious in in a sense but he has seen some of the some of the mistakes that religion have made, and, and he he has a website called Burn the Lies, and uh, he very he was a very nice, articulate fellow, and and one of the reasons I had him on the show is because he knew, <laughs> you know, some things are just hard to say, I'm not, but he understood that the letter J really is only about 500 years old, and. Uh-huh what i am talking about here is the let me let me roll back a little bit if you go back to 1611 okay and you look at the the uh, bible of 1611 the king james bible and you can buy 1611 king james bibles which i i, th- I think i'm going to buy one you will find that the person we call jesus christ is his name in that bible is i e s u s well the reason is because really the letter j didn't become a part of the english language until it was invented in 1550 by a guy named Gian Giorgio Tarricino, who was an Italian scholar, and he started in some of his manuscripts, substituting the I with a letter J, and um, he did it in the German language, and it kind of caught on, and it kind of made its way into the English language. But it took time, and when the 1611 version of the King James Bible came out, there really wasn't a letter J yet in the English language. So, for example, John, his name is spelled I-O-H-N. And uh, the book of Job is the book of I-O-B. So what is so interesting about this is you take the central figure of Western society, who we call Jesus Christ, was never called Jesus Christ during the time that he was alive. And I stumbled across this because I um it was the part of the Meyer material because they talk about the Talmud of Emmanuel. They say this individual's name was Emmanuel.
0: And he never uh-huh. claimed
2: to be the son of the creator of the universe and he never he never talked about a heavenly father. He talked about reincarnation. He talked about uh, the fact that the human spirit never dies, and um, what eventually got recorded in the New Testament was very, very falsified. And mm-hmm. see, I didn't believe that. And <laughs> I was skeptical about all of that. And well, when I found out I with that we didn't even get his name right, there was well, absolutely and,
1: and, no way. And the, and the his Christ name is really is Christos. You know, it's not meant to be the Christ. It's meant Christos, which is a spiritual energy. Got a question though. If if the J did not appear, what about those ossuaries that have been found within the last, I don't know, twenty years? That that you know, on one of them it says um, Jesus, son of Joseph, and
2: it, it doesn't say that in the English.
1: No, it says it in Aramaic, I think.
2: Yeah, there's no... Okay, this is a great question. There is no letter J in Hebrew, (laughs) in Greek, or in Aramaic. And I I had another...
1: Go ahead. But but how can they say that's what it translates to?
2: It, It can't. Anyone that knows anything about... Ancient Hebrew or Ancient Greek will tell you, and I'll I'll just spit a few of the the um, some of the letters out here in some of the like um, I, okay these these are, real quick I'll go through the Greek letters alpha beta gamma delta epsilon zeta eta theta iota kappa lambda mu nu xi omicron pi rho Sigma, Tau, Epsilon, Phi, Chi, Psi, and Omega.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's it. There is no just sound in the Greek huh. language. Uh, period. It's not there. It's a black and white fact. I just read to you the the Greek alphabet. The New Testament is written in Greek. Koine Greek. Um, uh, Doric Greek, a little bit, and another kind of Greek. So, there was no J. They couldn't, the Greeks couldn't have called him. They didn't have that in their alphabet. Let me read um, the Hebrew. This is the Hebrew alphabet, and I'll do my best. I'm probably mispronouncing some of this. Tet, chait, zayin vav, hey, Dalit, gimel, bait, aleph, samech, nun, another nun, mem, mem, and kaf, kaf, yad, Ta, shin, resh, ko, zed, z zay, fi, p, a, y, i, n. Now, that was modern Hebrew. If I go uh-huh. to ancient Hebrew, it's al, bet, gam, dal, hey wa, zan, het, tet yad, ka, flam, ma, nun, sin, gan, pe, sad, kuf, rosh, shin, ta. There's no just sound. So anyone that knows, and I'm not a linguist, but anyone that studies the Hebrew and the Greek will tell you there is no letter J in, in Hebrew and in Aramaic or in Greek. Now, what is coming out uh, is some horrible kind of bizarre... I, I have a, a lady who comes on the show. who's actually a really good, a really good uh, guest, and she has um her own website. You may have I won't say her name. You may have interviewed her as well. But she's talked a little bit about some of the stuff you're 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 talking about. So it'd be interesting to try to do a little research there. To yeah, find
1: well out what the 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 nice. um the tomb, the ossuary it bore the name Yeshua Bar Yosef. And they're saying that's Jesus son of Joseph.
2: Oh Yeshua I agree with yep. that. Yep. There's
1: no J there. It's not oh. Jesus, though. <laughs> See what okay. I'm saying?
2: That's
1: right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, no, I I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, it's just it's it's just you know you sit back and you look at these things and you you know it it's it's we're told to question everything and even the things that we think are carved in stone and are literally carved in stone are yeah. are up for questioning. And I, I I, I true. Yes, no, I truly believe that 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 we are at a point in time where, and and I don't want to destroy the story of Christmas. I you know I'm I'm all for it. It's it's a time of celebration. It's a time where where there is darkness all around us, and we put lights outside to light our way in the darkness. And I think it's very appropriate. And you know I, I'll go I'll go the Christmas story, and I'll go Santa Claus. But but if you want to do a real debate or or discussion then then I have to pull it all into question because mm-hmm. um you know the, the the if our only if our only reference book is the bible, it has been so so overwritten and overworked and edited and everything over the years that i mean the story has been adjusted so that it makes for a good read but i historically speaking it's not accurate anymore no no maybe I, it I... never was.
2: You know it's interesting what you were saying um um what what did you call it an ossuary?
1: Yes, ossuary. That's what those little Osh- boxes are that they put the bones in.
2: Uh-huh. And it's thing that you you brought the term Yahushua or Yeshua? Yeshua. Yeshua um which I of course think is very possible absolutely. But it's interesting I bet they carved. Did they carve the name Jesus in the stone no. as well? Later no. or okay?
1: No, no, that's what.
2: But they're saying they're, they're just the
1: saying the they're saying Yeshua was Jesus.
2: Right, 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 right. Well, isn't it interesting though? How I mean, I'm talking about from a psychological point of view, when you know you're dealing with another language, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yahoshua or Yeshua is a completely different name than Jesus. I mean, if his name is Yahoshua or Yeshua, well, why not call him Bob Smith if you're going to call him Jesus? You know what I'm
3: saying?
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, no you know, I I I fear that that. Well, and if you if you look at, I mean, if you really want to get down to this, I mean, if you look at um, all of the other stories of, of prophets that had twelve disciples that were born of virgins that rose from the dead, I mean, there's a whole list of them. I mean, oh, I know, it's amazing. It, it it's not like this is a. The only example of this kind of uh, a story, it's out there throughout time, and, and and going to a thousand years before Jesus. So, um, I do believe the man existed. I do believe that he was a prophet. But I, you know, you, you kind of got to step back and say, well, well, a religion was created around him, and material has been, uh, you know, I kind of. You know, if you had a dinner party and you could ask anybody living or dead to it, I think I'd like to talk to him about what's been done around his name. I think he'd be horrified. Oh, sure, sure.
2: Uh, it's interesting mm-hmm. you brought you brought up, um, for example, the ancient Babylonian trinity. They had uh, Tammuz and uh-huh. Nimrod and Queen Semiramis. And uh, Tammuz, the story is he, was, he basically died, quote unquote for the sins, to save the, the sins, uh, save this humanity from their sins. Um, uh-huh. So he was killed, he was put in a tomb, and they rolled the rock across the front. three days later, they rolled the rock back, and he was gone. It's the same interesting story uh, in Babylon. Oh. I thought you'd it's, find that
1: it's all over. I mean, if you if you if you google it, you'll find so many different um messiahs. I mean, gosh, you got, Well, Zarathustra, Mithra. Mithra. Um, yeah, Zoroaster, um Osiris, Hey, Quetzalcoatl, and Jesus they all have the number twelve and you know, associated with them. It's 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 amazing that when you when you research it you find and there was a Greek god too that had exactly the same um story that um I think who was it? Mark or Luke. Luke um, took this kind of or Paul took the story from and so so You you have a religion that has been created. And, and, you know, the man preached love, peace. He preached compassion. He preached sharing. He preached good stuff. But they made it into a religion, and they put restraints upon it, and you won't go here unless you do this, and you have to give a certain. I mean, they created um, a prison for the spirit in many ways.
2: That's so true.
1: Please elaborate. So, <laughs> well, they are restricting the joy of love by you have to be a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Jew or, or I mean all of them do it it's this is the way to enlightenment, and the way to enlightenment is to go within to love yourself, to love those around you, to be compassionate to to share, to not war, to not kill to not, not lie, to not cheat, to live a good life that's the way you get there, not by what the and I hate to say it, but not to you know the the stuff that the Bible has put out there are rules, and our spirits are cosmic. Our spirits are eternal and whatever a man on the planet says that the spirit has to adhere to restricts him to the planet and holds him down um and keeps him grounded on this earth plane instead of allowing his spirit to join with the other spirits that are that, that consciously have evolved beyond us.
2: Do you remember so, this do you remember the story in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 31 where Moses um, the Lord said to Moses take vengeance on the Midianites for the Israelites and um, so Moses sent the army 12,000 men armed for battle and they fought against the Midianites and they killed all of the men they killed all the soldiers and they captured the Midianite women and children and took all the herds and flocks and brought them back with him. Now, Moses was really angry. It says Moses was angry with the officers of the army. He, Moses said, have you allowed all the women to live? He asked them. They were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and enticed the Israelites to be unfaithful to the Lord. So Moses gives this interesting command. Kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man, but save for yourselves every girl who has never slept with a man. So they kept the virgins for themselves. They end up killing all the boys, killing all the older women or the women who had slept with a man. I don't know how they determined that, but, you know, that's a whole other topic. They kept the spoils, and if you look at the spoils they kept from the Midianites after they kill all the men, kill all the boys, killed all the women that weren't virgins, they took 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 women who had never slept with a man. Now think about this. These poor girls, they've been they're prisoners now. Uh, they've mm-hmm. seen their fathers and mothers killed, their brothers killed, their uncles killed, their grandfathers killed, their grandmothers killed, their their brothers, their sisters killed. And now what are they going to do? If they resist the Israelites, they'll be killed or they'll be left in the wilderness. So mm-hmm. what do they do now, you know? Uh, now think about this. Um, Think about the power of religion. We this is the story of genocide, and this is the story of well, I I have to wonder. What do you think? Do you think that those young virgins would willingly want to have sex later with the Israelite soldiers that killed their family?
1: They probably would to survive.
2: <laughs> that would be the only reason, right? I mean, yeah well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the trauma, so
1: I'm thinking though that in in saving you know only the virgins, they'd have to go down to at least seven or eight years old to make sure that they were a virgin, uh, you know
2: I don't know, when you it, you can, the whole thing is ghastly if you think about it,
1: well, it is, and if you're looking at the Bible. I, I, I more and more and more am coming into the, the, the I, I question everything. It's like, you know, what was the story written? What is the message it's supposed to give me? Was it created or is it reality or is it not? And, I, I mean, I, I think th- there are parts of the Bible that are beautiful, but, mm-hmm. but there are also parts of the Bible that are contrived, in order to make us think in a certain way and I resent that. So so mm. if if a if a story is contrived, um, you know, what is it teaching you? I mean, what was the lesson there? There was no lesson. It was it was you know, it it, it basically is saying wipe out a race if you don't like what the race is, is standing for. And when you take when you take the young girls, then you indoctrinate them into your way of life, so that they follow your way of life, and they no longer are, are true to their own, to their own destiny, to their own lineage.
3: It's
2: uh, the Meyer material talks about the Giza intelligences, and maybe that's a story we can go into. Uh, they say that Jehovah of the Old Testament was one of these Giza intelligences who was a renegade pleyaron who was part of this group that eventually went underground. Evidently, some aspect of them was visible at this time. And they call they say Jehovah was a member of these Giza intelligences. There were 72,000 of them originally um, with a man named Erisane, who went far below the the Giza Plateau and dwelled in these old cubicle constructions that were below the Giza Plateau. And they tried to control the people of the earth. They had a a technology that they used called telenotic impulses, which are kind of hypnotic in a way. And their other technique was religion. And they created a brutal religion and and that's example in numbers thirty one of Jehovah. There were other ones Erisim, uh Jehovan, Jehave, uh Jehovah, who is also known as Han, Kamagal the first and Kamagal the second. I may have left one out. Mm-hmm. But that that was the lineage And the Meyer... Oh, um, Eris the 11th, I think you could say, was the first. So there was a whole lineage of these guys, and they go all the way back to 12,000 years ago. And the Meyer information explains that 12,000 years ago, there was a great cataclysm on the Earth that wiped out almost the whole Earth and put the people who were here on the Earth that survived back to the Stone Age... We forgot who we were, we forgot where we come from, we lost all of our technology. And a group came back here to the Earth uh, from Beta Centauri. They were far, far away, this is hundreds of light years away, and they came here and they started this tyranny on the Earth. They were extraterrestrial humans, they presented themselves as the creator. They um created a religion that, that was a tyranny, and that 's what that's the real that's the story at least that the Meyer information has about our history so we're we are climbing out of the rubble of the great cataclysm that occurred twelve thousand years ago when an asteroid was brought to the earth under. The guidance of an engine that was built by scientists from Lemuria who guided that asteroid into Atlantis which completely destroyed Atlantis uh caused a gigantic flood as well as tidal waves and earthquakes tipped the planet on its axis uh-huh. which created the, oh. the, the 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 weather that we have now yeah it was just horrific
1: well, and not only that, but that tidal wave, there's evidence of it um, right up to the Mississippi Basin. Wow. So, so there is ge- geological evidence of a tidal wave.
2: You know, so, the, the real story is, is shocking, isn't it? It's just mind-boggling.
1: Well, and you know, I guess there's, there's a movie out there that I often refer to called The Gods Must Be Crazy. And yeah. it's, it 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 talks about a man flying over a, a section of Africa that that had not seen man nor plane nor anything, and he's having lunch, and he, he finishes his coke bottle and he throws it out the window of the plane, and it hits a native, and the native <laughs> is in awe because the gods sent him this object, and so they began to worship the coke bottle, and in 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 the um, and during World War Two that happened. Um, it happened on an island that we set up that that you know we, we took planes into um, over in the pacific and and you know we brought all sorts of wonderful technologies in there and then, when the war was over, we left, and the natives missed us, so they built planes, replicas, worshiping them, hoping that we would come back. the gods would come back i I, I have the the, the strange feeling that, you know, much as we laugh at that material, that that we have done that same thing with the story of Jesus.
3: Yeah.
2: I, uh, I'm trying to look in my notes because I have what you're talking about is a cargo cult, right? Yes. Mhm. And I think that and, there was
1: and,
2: one cargo cult I think was called uh, the John Frum cult. And John Frum, I guess, is either <clears throat> the really the name of the soldier or just kind of a, you know what the mishmash into what's what's left over um and exactly or if they what
1: said if if they said something like this is from John, mhm, you know, and they're 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 speaking a different language um i i s- I strongly suspect that every religion we have on this planet we're worshiping Coke bottles, mm-hmm. and we're Coke. not paying attention to well, we are um, not Diet Coke, but regular Coke. Um,
3: regular.
2: No aspartame but, for us, right?
1: No, no. So, so it, it's. I, I truly believe, you know, and, and it's not that I don't believe in 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 um, in a Creator, and because I do, but but when when you're talking about the God that the this planet, you know, worships no matter what you want to call them, that's not who I'm talking about because I believe that, that we have lost touch with the true spirit within us and that, that Meyer material is trying to get us to re- recognize that, that, you know, we have that divinity within us. Now, are we gods? Not yet. Um, certainly, certainly, but certainly not yet, but, but we have the capacity and, and, and we're not recognizing that capacity. And religion and politics and all sorts of corporate entities are holding us down, dumbing us down, and keeping us enslaved, literally. Mm. I mean, we don't need Planet X to enslave us. Um, the, the corporate corporate structures have already done that.
2: Oh, that's so true. I'm looking Final on my website because I've really put a lot of effort in trying to – uh, document a lot of this material, and the the one of the car, cargo cults that uh, you're talking about here, I think, is the John Frum cult, which is on the island of Tana in an area called Vanuatu. And the Republic of Vanuatu is a Pacific island in, in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. in World War II, servicemen would they would. Come to this island, and they landed their planes on there, and they they built runways and they um, you know they shared the cargo with the people there and uh, a great religion did come up there and and they walk in the, and to this day, the Highlanders walk around with their little wooden guns, just like the soldiers uh-huh. walk, and um they wait for them to come back, and they like you said, they build these Wooden planes. It's very sad in a way. I think, don't you?
1: Well, yeah, and you know, we're looking for, you know, um, we're looking for for somebody to come from the stars to save us when when we have to do it ourselves. And I, you know, I just I look at what's going on in the world today, and I and I shake my head because, um, you know, and I and I I. I I'm not a Republican or a democrat i'm I'm whatever feels best for us and and i I feel strongly that the element I, I think someplace in the hennock materials uh, he says that that what is going to 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 send this country into a, t- a pale a tailspin are the politics yeah it's
2: really bad isn't it?
1: It, it it really is, and I think that the reason that, that you know I, I, I thought this was a great time for us to talk about some of this material is because um, <clears throat> I'm noticing the um, I'm, I'm noticing the geological things that are happening, the fires and the floods and earthquakes, and I I, I it feels to me as though as, as for the next. For the next decade or so, we are going to be inundated with more and more of the, the weather uh, challenges. And um, I mean, the fires that are going on in California are horrific. If anybody has seen those, those pictures, it, it, it's a living hell. It's just amazing. And 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 the planet often has to do this to regenerate and you know refresh and and build new and stuff like that. I mean, if there were no people on the planet, it would do it anyhow because that's how the soil is enriched and stuff like that. But but the the you know people's houses and homes are burning and and you know it, it's just it's devastating. And, um, and, and you know I don't. I don't remember these kind of fires in the last 10 years. I really don't. No, there's
2: never been these kind of fires in my whole life. If you don't mind, I'll rip through some of them and, and quickly, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, uh, in 2013, I've been watching this over the past few years. 2013, we had the Rim Fire, which burned 402 square miles in uh, northern California. And one of the things you were talking about, Barbara, is true. These fires do burn naturally, but not in this size. What has happened over the years is, is we intervene and we put the fires out, and then we, not enough of the dried up stuff, gets gotten rid of. So what we're seeing is the accumulation. That's part of what we're seeing is the, the mismanagement of the forests, where we haven't pulled out the dead wood and things like that. But so things are way out of balance and. This is also related to population to a degree, but um, let me just run through the statistics just so people understand the scope of this. The Rim Fire, 402 square miles, um, third largest fire in California history, uh, which was the Rim Fire. The one they just had, the Thomas Fire, is bigger. It threatened the water supply of San Francisco, almost burned down the sequoia trees, That was in that was 257,000 acres. That was in 2013. Then the Pony Complex Fire in Idaho, Mountain Home, Idaho, was 149,000 acres. And then we had the Funny River Fire in Alaska, which was 302 square miles or 193,000 acres. That was in May of 2014. In July of 2014, we had the Carlton Complex Fire which burned 390 square miles, an area four times the size of Seattle, or 256,000 acres. We had some smaller fires, one of which is the Cold Springs Fire. And I know you know Solaris, Blue Raven, who's Uh a well-known guest and a radio show host herself. She had to evacuate, uh, and that was in Colorado. Um, The biggest fire that I know of occurred in um, Canada. It's called the Horse Fire or the Fort McMurray Wildfire. It occurred on May 1st, well, went over weeks. It started on May 1st and ended, I think, in July. They finally put it out, and it burned up 1.5 million acres. It's the biggest fire, in, I think, in the history of Canada. And I won't even talk. Just briefly, I'll, I'll just mention these. Hurricane Harvey, which we just had. Uh-huh which brought 50-some inches of rain to Texas. Uh, Hurricane Irma, which was a storm in Florida. It hit Florida, 7 million people without power for a while. Uh, It devastated Puerto Rico, and that was back Uh in September. The people in Puerto Rico still don't have electricity. I didn't know if you knew that or not.
1: No, I didn't know
2: that. Yep, Hurricane Irma and Maria – had pretty much wiped out Puerto Rico three point four million people still without power. It's just a devastating. The big fires that have occurred this year in um, California are the or well this one is in montana the lowland and the Lola national forest called the Rice Ridge fires one hundred sixty thousand acres. We had a two couple small fires <laughs> small fires like fifty thousand acres in Montana, the Lola Peak Fire and 55,000 acres and the Norse Peak Fire in Washington. Uh, one of the real big ones was the Checo Bar Fire which was in Oregon 182,000 acres um, <clears throat> which was a really bad one. I think there's another one called the Rogue River Fire which was very massive in Oregon as well. But I need to do more research on that. But the big one which I think they're finally starting to get under control, is the Thomas Fire, which is the largest fire in California history. And um, it's the fire, which was 273,000 acres burned up. Now imagine this fire is larger than New York City and Boston combined. Oh, wow. It's yeah, that's just huge. So, um, those are some of the fires that we've had.
1: Well, it it just feels to me, and I, I have this thing for nature, so I, I, I really feel as though we're coming to a time where um, we're going to find that, that nature feels angry. And I don't think nature is angry. I think the planet is going through a, um, if, if, if the earth were, you know, earth mother, I, menopause, um, mm. it, it just feels as though I, I know I can, I absolutely, you know, am, am saying that the, we're going to see more fires. We're going to see greater earthquakes. And I do feel there will be a massive earthquake in the United States this next year. Um, mm. And volcanoes are, are starting to, to rumble. Um, and, and there, it feels like Vesuvius is going to go off again. So um, it's, it's kind of like I, I would imagine the Earth from time to time through, through generations goes through this kind of a shakeup, and unfortunately we're on the surface. Um, I, I think what's happening is it some of it is absolutely normal, but some of it is our scientists playing with weather and trying to become gods and screwing up royally. Because it's really interesting.
2: Five, some of the fires five, sorry to interrupt you, some of the fires people are saying they're seeing blue light coming out of the sky. Have you heard any of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I and if you
2: look at some of the the cars that have burned, uh, you see the glass is just gone. Uh-huh. And from what I've read, um, glass melts at like 2,600 degrees, but a forest fire generally doesn't get much higher than about 1,500 degrees. You know, I'm not absolutely certain about all these temperatures, but that's my understanding. And and in these. Cars, there's no glass, there's no rubber, the rubber just disappears. I've seen cases where the engine blocks will melt and turn into liquid, and you can see where the liquids run down the street and then it'll cool off and harden. And I've seen cases where there are trees right beside these burned up cars, 10 feet away, all the leaves are green, the trees are. Uh. How does how yeah. does
1: that happen? Uh, you How's know, up? it it is it's amazing, but it's like a tornado. Um, yeah, you know, a tornado will cut a swath, but on either side of that swath, everything is perfectly normal. It's just you know, it's it's like nothing ever happened. But then there's this this whole track of total devastation. I I truly believe that that. Um, I think the East Coast is going to have an earthquake. I really do. And and when that happens, so many of our buildings are not built for earthquakes, so that so that it's it's going to be you know devastating. Now, we had a, a three a three magnitude one a number of years ago, and and there apparently was one that I didn't even feel that was in the area that was a three. But I'm I'm saying I feel that that and, and that and everybody has heard me say this over and over again, and I'm going to keep saying it because I really believe that the Madras fault line is going to have a major earthquake there. Mm-hmm. Um, it it uh, the Mississippi River is you know was was um, uh, kind of the, the water level was going down because they said it was draining into the fault. Um, and you know there were there were quite a few reports of that. I mean, it hasn't gone dry, but uh, I, I just there is we have destabilized the crust of the earth with the fracking that we've done and and all sorts of other stuff, so that so that there is that that we have destabilized whatever stability was there because the plates do move, but but we've created bigger holes than there probably should have been. Um, so. So it's it's going to be an interesting time, and and the Hennick prophecies do talk about this. They do oh, yeah. they talk he about
2: predicted the hurricanes, fires,
1: yeah, fires, <laughs> yeah, hurricanes, I... fires volcanoes. Um, it's it, if you read the Hennick material, um, it 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 is it, it's very sad. Among other things, it it says that. Um, it will be 888 days of of total devastation, of of wars breaking out, and I think there there were a couple of things there that that felt to me. And now, these were written, I believe, in '87.
3: Mm-hmm. That
2: sounds and, about right.
1: And so so a lot of stuff had not occurred.
2: Not like um, it has. I mean, if you went back no. to '87, there were no fires like this, and no hurricanes. Well, yeah, no, we didn't see this. You know, how many hurricanes have we had this year that were gigantic? Five,
1: but, six. You know, yeah, I, a means,
3: lot. Yeah.
1: But he talks. He talks about the uh, the uh, about Russia. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the collapse of 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 the Russian whatever and. He talks about a number of other things. I mean, the 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 part that got me was, you know, he basically says in this that you can't, you know, pinpoint it, you know, by the year, but you can, you know, this is what's going to happen after the last pope, and this is how, you know, things are going to happen. And um, I'm not sure if what we've got now is the last pope or not, but if indeed he he is If he is the last pope then then if consciousness of humanity doesn't shift and change radically we can we can look at the potential of of wars all over the place. Um, one of the things that I found interesting was he he talked about um a population moving into another country that did not have their same religion then Becoming a group and and taking over that country which is which is what what has happened with um, all of the refugees, you know these huge groups of people that that you know had no home um, are are now in in places where they um, they have no familiarity with the culture or the way of life. And you know, if they stay as a, as a as a knot as a group, they will plant roots, and then they will start to take over, you know, the areas that they are they are in. Um, much as what's happened um, in Dearborn, Michigan, which is mostly Muslim now. So yeah, that's um,
2: a whole a whole other story there. Um, and I think. Um, I'll have to look at my notes here but you know how you've probably studied the group Antifa Uh-huh yeah and it says also in these prophecies that some of these you know I don't know what to call them but it's an organized crime will play a role it, you know maybe we'll have the Meyer material says that we'll potentially have two civil wars and I know you're aware of that and yeah,
1: and, and and that the United States will break into five different territories.
2: Right, right, exactly.
1: Um, and
2: and, and they say as early as 2020, which I can't wrap my mind around that. But
1: I yeah yeah I'm not sure I buy that either. But it does talk about governments falling, and it does talk and and frankly, frankly it feels like. Much as I love the United States of America, um, I I, I truly, you know, with no judgment to who's in power or anything like that, I don't think our system of government works for the people any longer,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: whoever is in power. I don't believe the system um, serves the population as it was intended to a couple hundred years ago. Um, the the prophecies also talk about the fall of Catholicism and then the fall of Christianity. So that so that it it's too and and I don't know what it means when a religion falls or fails or crumbles. Yeah, I do um, sure. I I but but I can understand it in that if if the religion itself was not based on truth then it doesn't hold validity and it can't hold power. And nobody has questioned religion really up to this point in time. And, you know, and and here's where I say we go from this is an earth-based religion to, okay, it's great for those who are earth-based, but what about those who have a cosmic consciousness and are reaching beyond it? it no longer serves them.
2: In uh, Contract Report 215, line 236, it says, especially in France and Sweden, machinations as well as dictatorial regulations of the European Union will cause much unrest and many uprisings, but also crimes committed by gangs and organized criminal elements in these countries will cause unavoidable wars. And I wonder if some of these organized criminal elements are like this group Antifa.
1: Oh, absolutely. And,
2: and, you know, what's interesting is one of the things they use is this idea called concept creep and where they first vilify their enemies by calling them some name. Like they say, anyone that voted for Trump is a fascist a racist or a sick. <laughs> and they keep adding things, you know, like, oh, anyone that voted for Trump is a Nazi. Oh, any, you know, they... They just demonize people, don't they? It's just crazy stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So, somebody said. Go somebody ahead. put in the somebody put in the chat room something I find interesting. If, if you believe in prophecy, then your life has no free will and it's preordained. No prophecy, by definition. Has the We have the ability to change it if we change our behavior, our perception, and the way that we live our lives. Prophecy is not preordained. Uh, predictions are.
2: <laughs> yeah, when the Meyer material says this is a pr- uh, prediction, they, they say that things have gotten to the point where this is the only possible outcome. So we mm-hmm. still have, the, I, I still hold out hope that we will turn a lot of this around um the fact that we still exist is encouraging to me you know that we haven't completely destroyed ourselves one person you might want to get on your show is a guy named Cody Snodgrass not a an unusual name but uh, he's an insider and I'll talk to him tomorrow I've been listening to a lot of his stuff on the web he is an ex cia person who did black ops stuff you know wow. um and he, he, oh, what he is tell—he tells about the corruption of our government. You just, you know, curl your hair. It's just we've yeah. gone
1: so far. Well, that—that that was another part of the prophecy that—that that was fascinating. And—and and because it's a prophecy, it is subject to change. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it, it's what looks like it, it's the potentiality of what may um, unfold if there aren't changes, but it does talk um, about, um, I lost my train of thought, Um, it it talks about the corruption, it talks about uh, lies, it talks about um, how the United States uses uses the excuse of helping other countries by dominating them and conquering them, and it, Mm -hmm. it makes us it, it makes the U.S. government out to be um, almost mercenaries trying to take over other areas and other countries, and um, it, it 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 doesn't make the U.S. look really good, to tell you the truth.
2: One of the things uh, that Cody explains is that our M1 Abrams tanks that had the Sabo rounds in there the SABO round has a rod of depleted uranium about 10 inches long, and that round is fired out of a 120-millimeter a cannon on the M1A1 Abrams tank, and it has such kinetic energy. It's a kinetic energy weapon because the SABO round is pretty heavy, and that depleted uranium is pretty heavy. And when it slams into when it slammed into those Iraqi tanks, it would take those ten ton ten ton turrets and throw them up in the air like a tumbleweed. they'd go up twenty or thirty feet in the air and when that happened, it would release this ionizing uh, depleted uranium which would burn and uh, the the particles that would come out of that depleted uranium would be so small it would actually go through our hazmat gear so even though our guys would wear gas masks and suits our own guys were um, exposed to low-level radiation and that low-level radiation concentrates like in testicles and things and So when these soldiers from the Gulf War would go home and, you know, they make love to their wives, they would pass that semen on that had the radiation in it into their wife, you know, would go into the the woman's filetheon tubes, and then the the children that were born um, would also, you know, be exposed. And they would carry this radiation in their bodies. And one thing the government... When they found out that this was happening, and people, you know, the Gulf War syndrome, where people were so sick they were coming back, uh-huh. um, they didn't know how many generations this radiation would be passed on, and so they they covered this up, and the the records for that were in the Murrow Building in Oklahoma City, where the Oklahoma City bombing was. So that's what caused, that was, the, that was the reason for the Oklahoma City bombing, was to destroy the records related to the depleted uranium and all that. Well, it gets worse. We also, it takes six months to make someone immune to anthrax. And one of the things we were worried about in Desert Storm is that Saddam was going to use anthrax. So uh-huh. we didn't have six months to wait. To build up the normal immunity, so they developed this super duper anthrax vaccine that had hopped up squalene in it. you've probably heard of squalene it's comes from sharks, I think actually it does something uh-huh. adjuvant that pumps up your immune system. Well, they gave that to our soldiers. That was the other thing about the whole desert storm syndrome and made them sick, horribly, horribly sick. So they got cancers from these vaccines and cancers from the exposure to the low level radiation. All of those records were stored in that Murrow building in Oklahoma City. And on top of that, all the records related to what was going on down at the Rose Law Firm there in Mina arkansas where they were bringing uh-huh. in the co- and Bill and Hillary. I don't know if you remember all that. So oh, yeah. all that was in the Oklahoma City, that building, that Morrow building, um, which Timothy McVeigh was supposedly the one that blew that up. Well, he was the patsy, the government, uh-huh. the government, the CIA was behind destroying that whole building. And I know this is kind of off the Meyer material, but it goes to the corruption of our government.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Um, They
2: came to Cody first, and he said he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't blow up the Meyer building. He said he's not going to blow up our own building here in the United States and kill our own people. So he went on the run. they... Of course, they sent a hit out after him. He he died twice and was brought back. You got to get him on your show and talk to this guy. It's this tremendous story. But okay,
1: well, you 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 send me the contact information then.
2: I will. I will. Uh, Okay. Um, But um, the reason I bring it up is just it just expands on the whole Meyer material with the corruption of the government. It's worse than we can even imagine.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody in the chat room wanted to know if you knew anything about the rods of God.
2: I don't know anything about that. Sorry.
1: I, I don't think I do
2: either. <laughs> is that a book, or I what is that?
1: I, I don't know. I'll have to Google it later.
3: <laughs>
2: That's a new Sounds one. Sounds interesting,
1: though. I'll have to I'll have to check it out. But um, the, the, the Meyer material... Um, uh, the the good part, you know, after you read through all of this, this devastating stuff and about, uh, you know, we turn out to not be the good guys in the U.S. Um, no, we're not. No, we're
2: we're the worst.
1: There are we're, no good guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is what it comes down to. Mankind just doesn't know how to get away from from making war and and enslaving their own people and 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 creating weapons of war instead of weapons of peace and and at some point even there will be um ai you know uh, uh android type people uh, soldiers created that have no spirits that have no souls that are just you know very much like oh what was his name that that one atlantean who who was so brutal that he um
2: American?
1: Yeah, Aris the, the Barbarian, who took who took some of his people off planet to take out love and compassion from their DNA, and then brought them back as as murderers.
2: That's an interesting. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they, there's a couple. There's a couple stories that are very similar there, uh, and I don't want us to go down that rabbit hole because we could burn the rest of the show. <laughs> but yeah, we that's here true. on the Earth. Have a gene- genetic defect that was. We're called in the Meyer material and contact report 251. We're called the genetically manipulated people. We were. We were genetically designed for aggression, and a shortened lifespan. And I don't want to go into it much more than that because it's another one of these gigantic rabbit holes where we could oh, burn yeah. up the whole show. But this is part of our. <laughs> Our challenge is that well, we and, have this built-in genetic defect.
1: Well, the the Meyer material, the um, the, the the prophecies of, of Hennock, um, the the Plagorean wish for humans are also connected to all of these prophecies, which is, it, 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 and and they have to have to be the most Positive, the most beautiful, the most hopeful um, things to read. So, so it's it's kind of like if you do this, then you don't have to worry about these prophecies. And and it's 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 peace and love and 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 letting go of hate and letting go of, of animus and and. You know, taking care of population to to a certain extent to you know work with birth control so so we don't overwhelm our planet. and I mean it goes it goes into it goes into page after page after page of things that we can do, things that we can become that will change the prophecies uh, to a more positive outcome y uh, you know, when, when you're going through change, like we are on the planet now, there is obviously going to be some um, devastation. There's going to be some unsettlement. There's going to be, you know, reorganization. Um, I, I believe Korea is a hot spot, and it's going to be even hotter, and why they put Winter Olympics in South Korea, I don't know, but... Uh-huh. Um, maybe they want to <laughs> create asking for something i mean yeah. you know, come on it's, yeah, it's you so know, it's asking for an oops moment um yeah. and, and and you know you know oh so sorry it was a mistake you know and yada yada and you know i don't buy that for a second but it, it does feel as though we are coming to a point in time where we really do have choices we can make and um at 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 the UN today Nikki Haley said, you know, if you vote against us, we're going to remember you. We're taking down names. That scared me. You That's know, weird. it was it was it was is a veiled
2: threat. Is that a person on the left?
1: Nikki Haley is our representative in the UN.
2: Um, would you consider her is she pro Trump or against Trump? Well, hon,
1: Trump Trump appointed her.
2: And, and, she was and apparently, serious? she was serious
1: huh? about that. Yes, it was. But they were they were doing this this vote on whether we should move our um, embassy to Jerusalem. And what? yeah, seriously, that's insane. S- seriously, it happened today, and oh the UN basically, you know, they they all most of them said that we shouldn't. But you know, she basically said it doesn't matter what you vote. We're moving our our embassy. You can't tell us this. And if if you vote against us, um, we will remember who did not cooperate with us. Wow. And why they don't need permission to move it? I don't know why it even came up. Because any country can put their their embassy anywhere. It doesn't it it doesn't make sense to me that uh, except it it is among other things, just admitting that Jerusalem seems to be the capital.
2: It's it's uh, the corruption. See, I really, um, it's really interesting just talking to you. I realize two things. It seems that there's a pattern forming because the parts of the Meyer material that I ignore intentionally, they kind of come back like a fire after me later. Like the whole story mm-hmm. about Emmanuel, I just, you know, I didn't even want to go there and then it comes back like a fire literally and the same <laughs> thing with these prophecies they're they're not really my thing particularly that I found fascinating but wow when you see it happening when you see the hurricanes and the fires it just wakes you up there's just
1: nothing like it well it's it's a great it's a great wake up call you know i i am firmly of the mind that it is never too late to make a shift in a change. Never, ever, ever. And and if it takes if it takes being scared into it, okie doke. Um, you scare people into beginning to understand that they are totally responsible. You can't say, oh, my government did this, you know, because if you're living in that country, you're partially responsible. And there are things you can do to make changes. So... Um, and and when it when it comes to on a personal level um it's really important that people start realizing that that the dogma controls you mm. and 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 it's important to, uh, i mean there are great universal laws out there that that have been out there since the beginning of time or the beginning of whatever and they apply to our rela- realities and how we live um but they 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 are Laws but you know it, it's the law of reflection the law of cause and effect of as above so below they' they're great big philosophies that 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 have guided us or or you know have been out there that we have we have been um, exposed to that that are applied to our lives whether or not we know it and it, it pays it it, it, it it is smart to to know what the laws are so that so that on a universal level you keep your spirit going in the right direction and and it's it's so simple it is you know you talked about the the positive neutral the the you know coming to a place within yourself that that is full of joy and full of creation and full of compassion for other people and wanting to help and it doesn't make you a do gooder it makes you a better resident on the planet and, The and I, I creational say,
2: natural laws um, the Meyer material i let me run through these real quickly uh the crea- first the first creational natural law uh, that the Meyer information talks about is what they call effective love, and there's some beautiful, beautiful passages about this he he says. Uh-huh the highest principle in all, love is the highest principle in all creation and through it everything exists in absolute logic every tiny plant and every tiny animal fulfills its purpose in love love will forever be the purpose of our existence uh, the incredible splendor of nature is the visible expression of the love of creation and creation radiates love. Love and wisdom go together. And the creation and its laws are love and wisdom at the same time. So that's that's the first creational natural law, which is love, which is a law that deals with reverence. This kind of love is not romantic love at all. It's very stable. Uh-huh. It's effective love. The second... Uh, creational natural law is the law of striving that everything in nature has to strive to exist. Um, striving brings happiness. There is no happiness outside of striving. There is no sense of life outside of striving. Um, your striving deals with your work, um, you know your day job, cleaning up your garage. Uh, we should continually be striving um, for the evolution of our consciousness, but striving, there is no happiness, there is no life. Everything in life strives. The third creational natural law is the law of harmony, which means you have neutral, positive thinking. Um, so if you have neutral, positive thinking, then your thoughts, your good thoughts will generate good feelings, Your good feelings will generate good habits and your good habits will produce good circumstances in your life. And the the laws overlap because if you're striving but you lose your sense of harmony, it will destroy your striving. So you have Mm -hmm. to strive with a neutral, positive perspective. Um, Another creational natural law is the law of reincarnation which we may not have time to talk about too much tonight, another creational natural law is uh, the law of prosperity, in that if you follow the law of love, the law of striving, the law of harmony, that helps you have abundance and prosperity in your life. Now in the time we live now, there are things which interfere with that, because we're not living under the creational natural laws, Related to population, the population for our plant sized planet should be between 500 million and a billion, or 900, or 9 billion people now. Almost, so we're violating some of these laws that deal with population, which makes everything more difficult.
3: So, mm-hmm.
2: but these creational natural laws are critical, and uh, it's good to know them. One of the most important ones, like I said is the Law of Striving, and this is in the Way to Live book on page 102. And I read this probably um, two or three times a month. Um, It says, striving creates the life right up to the being. Striving means delectation, which is enjoyment, in a form which is always fulfilling a progressive To be without striving means unwillingness and affliction. Affliction is inhibited striving and inhibited life. But inhibited striving and inhibited life bring inhibited evolution and stagnation. Hopelessness and grief, confusion, irrationality, joylessness, cognitionless, unpeace, disharmony, lovelessness, resentment, lies, self-deceit, and reluctance for life. So if you decrease your striving, you will fall into disharmony, you will fall into uh, unhappiness. Therefore, delectation, harmony, and happiness, as well as everything positive, as well as grief and everything negative, are in the end only the revelation of how pronounced the striving of any life form is. So that's uh-huh. one of those fantastic creational natural laws um, the other another one, and I don't know if this is a creational natural law, but it's mentioned in the book that I was just reading there. It's called Fulfilling Your Duty to Yourself. And we should always fulfill our duty to ourselves, which means we're our own best friend. We should never uh beat ourselves up. We should never have feelings of inferiority. Um you should never do things in private that you wouldn't uh, do openly. You should always groom yourself, take care of yourself, take the time to, to wear good clothes and, and uh, clean yourself and don't let yourself appear ragged. Um, the, the point of always fulfilling your duty to yourself means that you're, you're your own best friend. You do not have thoughts about your failures, you need to correct those failures and move on. So th- these, uh-huh. all of these principles are so critical. See, these are the ones, like I said, um, you've got the prophecies, right? And you've got yeah. the history. You got the history, which I love as well. But these, these, this spiritual teaching is what you apply every day to keep your life. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? To keep it.
1: Yeah, and and taking responsibility. I mean, how many of us have just complained that it's not fair? Because, and the reality is, you have control over that.
2: And it's so true. It's very, very true. Um, Fulfilling your duty to yourself. Yeah. Um, No self-chastisement. No self-abuse. No feelings of inferiority. Be gentle to yourself. Care for the health of your body and your mind. Here's another one do not devote yourself to your passions, to your vices, to your addictions. Don't turn your back on yourself. Be benevolent. Be kind hearted. Use your logic and your intelligence, and you will have enjoyment in the fulfillment of your responsibility. If you don't use your logic and intelligence, then you won't have enjoyment. Um, It says here, through the real overcoming of all which is negative, slowly the whole life is mastered. The entire attentiveness is steered away from burdens, and you learn to attach your mind to something which is neutral. And this is very important. In terms of problem solving, when you feel your thoughts go into the negative, attach yourself to something neutral, whatever thought uh-huh. that you have that's a neutral, happy kind of thought, a time, a pet, a person um, this is one of the things that you you need to remember is having the ability to remember a moment of gladness or a new a neutral thing now another thing that's talked about in the book here the way to live is um we have an innermost creational personality now this is where the spirit form comes in it's your inner guidance it is it is your wisdom and it will have a conflict with what's called our false ego. And the the false ego tries to complicate everything. And it tries to create a tyranny over this innermost creational personality. So we have to learn to recognize the impulses of the innermost creational personality which will send you evolutive impulses and you will get these evolutive impulses and they'll come to your material consciousness and this is the spirit form and what, what Semyase said to Billy in Contact Report 10 this was back and right around the middle 70s late 70s she said every person has a spirit it's the wonder of all wonders it's the bearer of the creative realm. It will tell you if your thinking is right or wrong, if you've learned to pay attention to it. It So it gives us some kind of feedback. And what I think the feedback mechanism is, is our feelings. Because if you have a negative thought, it will result in a negative feeling. And the negative feelings are what disturb the psyche. Uh And they create um, what sometimes are kind of runaway thoughts, which we build actually neuropathways of negativity. And have you ever experienced, I've experienced it uh, many times, I'm getting much better than I was even a year ago, rotating negative thoughts that you can't seem to stop, Everyone has a button, you know. That button gets pressed and these negative thoughts, they rotate and they fire and they repeat and repeat and repeat. And that's how people go into depressions and that's how people Mm -hmm. um, become Uh, mentally uh, ill. They can't turn it off, you know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, sure. And, And the spirit within is constantly sending us subtle messages and... Sometimes we're good at, at catching them and sometimes we're not. It's not like a telegram. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's a subtlety that we have to catch. And mm-hmm. um, like I was going shopping and, and I was looking for my Diet Coke and there were no Diet Cokes in the freezer and there were no Diet Cokes on the shelf. And it was like, huh, perhaps I should not be drinking Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> but But... One have you ever tried other... Club
2: Soda or Canada Dry? It's oh, actually sure. good for your stomach. <laughs> Sorry, just a yeah, suggestion. No, it,
1: it is, it is. But but our higher consciousness, the spirit within us, is is ever-present, though we don't always hear it. But one way I have found of connecting to it, um, which absolutely works 100% of the time, that spirit will not let you... Visualize happily something that is contrary to the journey you 're on right now, hmm. in other words you can you can visualize yourself robbing a bank, perhaps, but if you look at your face, you will see that you are not happy unless you're a born thief, then of course it doesn't figure but um, but um, it it it's really it's quite fast and do it with little things you know if if you're questioning whether you should eat something, take a moment, take, take a deep breath, clean your mind out, and picture yourself eating that, whatever it is. And I promise you, if it's not good for you, you will not look comfortable in your visualization, and you will know it's not a good idea. Now, if you want to go ahead and eat it anyhow, go ahead. Just have Tums handy or something. But but when it comes, I, I would try it with minor things. Um. I, I once thought many years ago, long time ago, I thought it would be fun to be an astronaut. Even though I'm, I'm very claustrophobic, but I was okay in picturing myself in the spacesuit, in a capsule, hooked up. I was okay with my. I I could feel comfortable and happy, and you know, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, going through a liftoff, and then I threw up in the spacesuit, and I realized that. I was perhaps not good material for being an astronaut, because then, of course, you can't take it off and wash it out. You're stuck. So it it, it was basically saying to me, this won't work for you. No matter how much you think it will be fun, it won't work for you. Um, But but try it with with almost anything. Try it with even, you know, I, I, I tell women, you know, if you want to try a different hairstyle, picture yourself in that hairstyle. Are you smiling? If you're smiling, go for it. If you're not, don't do it. Mm. It works for everything. It works Mm. for absolutely everything. If something is not good for your journey this particular lifetime, and and be careful because sometimes there is a message there. You know, if if you do something and you, you... you, you know, it doesn't feel like it's working out, realize that there was a message there or a lesson there that you had to confront, learn, and, and embrace. And once you embraced it then, then it, then you can move on. But for the most part, when you have a question, when you're wondering, should I do this or should I do that, take the time and try to picture yourself. And, and I promise you, if you look at your face, you will know whether or not it's a good choice to make, and then you have free will. But it works.
2: You know, I—if you don't mind—I'm going to take a short break, just for like two minutes. Hey, you're on a roll there, Barbara. Why don't you just continue down that, down that very interesting <laughs> path? I don't do two-hour okay. shares
3: without a break. <laughs>
1: Okay I'll be right. go get your tea or whatever and yeah I'll just keep going um I I I think that that it's important for all of us to realize that that we are truly responsible and what I see happening more and more and more as time unfolds for us and we move forward into 2018 19 and 20 and whatever is that, that those who are spiritually oriented and and when I say spiritually oriented I I mean people those of us that are those those that are taking the step into new dimensions which are going into a more cosmic philosophy as applies to the evolution of the spirit and the soul and the purpose here on earth and and you know we there is a responsibility to not only turn our own lives around, to, to take responsibility, to take a look at how we impact other people, to not be judgmental, to not try to get even, to not try to just, you know, uh, gather, gather money and, and stuff like that. Um, understand that especially at this time of the year where it is a time where, where love and compassion and sharing is, is definitely out there. I'm back. Understanding, understand. Oh well, let me finish this thought because it's a good one. Any anybody, you know, this is a time where people are, are are buying gifts and are giving gifts, and and you know, credit cards are going all over the place. And and I want, you, I would encourage you all to stop and think. It doesn't. It's not kindness. It's not even love. Um, whipping out a credit card or money or something like that. The biggest, best, greatest gift you can give another person is your time. Hmm. So that, that is the most precious thing you own. So if it's a matter of just spending time with somebody or just listening, I mean really listening to someone, not going uh-huh, 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 but really participating in a conversation, especially with older people, it's really important. And, and the gift of your time, make your gifts if you have to give a gift, but, but, but take time to make it because that makes it all the more precious when my mother and my grandmother, both of them, passed away. And the gifts that they, the, they, they had, kind of little boxes that they kept of, of very precious things. And none of the expensive gifts that, that we gave, either of them were there. But what were there were the, the cards that we had made, the little gifts that we had made, the, 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 the drawings that we had done for them. Those were what were most precious because those cost time we took some of our time and we gave it to them it is the most precious gift you can give another person and it is beyond you know it it it, you just can't buy it it's something that you give of yourself and that's a better gift than you know diamonds or cars or stuff like that i mean that's impressive but it's not really a gift it's it's just something you bought it's kind of like in in many ways you copped out, because <laughs> if this is truly a time of giving, then you should be giving something that is precious to you. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox.
2: Oh, no, that's fine. That makes perfect
1: sense.
2: I I concur. <laughs>
1: Somebody make pot holders for everyone. I want to get on your list. Um, <laughs> no, it it it, it really uh, it's if we're looking at being spiritual and compassionate and loving and stuff like that, then, and, and that's what the, the Meyer material is, is aiming us towards. And I, and I truly feel that um, if you, if you look at what the plejorans are trying to help us to evolve into, it's really, it, it's magnificent. And, and I'll throw another philosophy. I have another philosophy, at least this week, anyhow, that, that when, a group of people as a unit get to a place where they have come to that point where they are um, connected and loving and caring and giving and living as a community and that there is no, no anger, no war, no robbery, no jealousy. I do believe that the, the power of that energy as a group opens a portal to another dimension and they step through as a group and are, are gone off the earth plane, uh, out of this dimension. I think that's what happened to the Anastasi. I think that's, ha- that's what happened to a number of cultures that just suddenly disappeared because it feels to me as though they are, were interdimensional and that they moved into another dimension um, as, as one because they became one. I don't know what Meyer material says about that, but I, I do know it says that in 800 years we are destined to have peace and tranquility and and a society that is worthy of connecting to others out there in the cosmos. So, yeah, we so are
2: gonna, in a, a time called the third millennium right now, a transition period.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a it's not a fun one. It's not a fun ride. It's it's going to be bumpy. Um, while while life is is going, I don't I don't see World War Three in our lifetime, but it may well be coming. But but I think you know and you know I'm seventy three. So say I've got another thirty thirty five years, because um, I absolutely intend to break a hundred. Uh, mm. But but it it's it's you know we're working towards moving into what what the plejorans have hopes for us and and you know their society, their society um mark doesn't have any of these problems does it
2: um, the the Playa left the earth in 1995 they had Bases here in Switzerland. Uh, one in Switzerland that was 300 years old. They had bases in North America and I believe in in China. There were about 2,862 extraterrestrials here. Uh, not mm-hmm. only the Pleiaren but the Lyrians and people from nearby star systems. The Pleiaren are not from the Pleiades. They exist. In a different space-time configuration, in a different dimension than ours, Uh, there are seven different space-time configurations in what's called our DERN universe. Um, These are almost like different rooms in a house, uh, so to speak. In other words, in the Pleiaren space-time configuration, there's a Illyrian system just like we have. I mean, not just like we have, but... They have their own version of it. They have their own cirrus system. Uh, they live on a planet called Era. They haven't had war for 20,000 years. They don't They don't have roads. Have you ever thought about the damage you do to the planet with the roads? How many life forms die because of still? Of, of oh, yeah. They don't have roads. They don't mine their planet. They don't use... Uh, they don't take oil out of the planet. They don't take minerals out of the planet. They don't. Um, they really don't have manufacturing on the planets that they live. They they move the manufacturing off planet. Um, they're very I'm different. I'm sorry, that was
1: my phone.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Um, that was
1: my ego boost for the day.
2: Okay, so yeah, they're very very different world than we do. They. They also have a different vibration, and I don't like that word personally, but I guess it fits. Um, that's why they can't come into our contact face-to-face. They have a, a special device that they have to wear, and it only will work for about a half an hour. Our thought vibration is so damaging to them that it can cause them to lose control of their bodies. So they're at a level of evolution. They're at what's called the fifth stage of of human evolution. There are two more stages beyond that. And we're at the second stage. So we're not compatible anymore vibrationally at all. So they can't stand to be around us. It's almost like a horrific stench to them. Now,
1: why did they leave?
2: We don't know, and they wouldn't tell us. Uh, but they left in 1995. Hello. Yeah, very um, foreboding. Yeah. So yeah, they, they their vibration level is very different. That's one of the reason Semyase's contacts were cut short because she was having a meeting with Billy in the Semyase Silver Star Center there in Hinter Schmidruti, and one of the the people there walked in. And a poor guy named Jacobus is a regular guy there in Switzerland, really nice. But it, just his thoughts caused her to lose control of herself, literally. And she fell. I me i say hit her head. And she contracted a, a brain damage. And uh, eventually, it's a long, long story, but she had to be taken to the Tao Universe to get special care for that, and had to cut. That's what cut the contacts between her and Billy off. So Billy doesn't have contacts with Simjasi anymore. Only she. I think he had contacts maybe four or five years with her, and that's the contacts everyone knows. People don't know about Ask It. People don't know about um, Spoth. Um, and the people don't even really know about the people he has contact with in the Apatow and Quetzal. Uh-huh. And one thing I want to say, I'll just throw this out, is, and this is a bit because of our religions, I think. People tend to think, oh, these are spiritual people and they're not really physical. The Meyer material says they are physical human beings. They eat food. They procreate. You know, they're just at a higher level of evolution. Now, there are seven steps of human evolution. And the first is primitive. The second is rational life. The third stage is intelligent life. And we're really at stage two now. We're not quite in stage three. We Mm -hmm. will start to get better and better at space travel in stage three. We will start... Get better and better at genetic engineering. After that is stage four. In stage four, we learn the secrets of space travel. So we'll be able to travel from star to star with almost no time passing. Another thing we'll do, and this is something that seems to sometimes shock people, is we'll take genetic engineering to a level that is kind of mind blowing. In other words, In Semyase's ship, the central intelligence of her ship, the the computer is a biological computer. It's sentient. It's aware. Her ship Mm -hmm. is basically a living being that Semyase had telepathic contact with. Now think of the implications of that.
1: Now that makes more sense to me actually.
2: Well, yeah, I guess in some ways it does, but it's an astonishing thing. It's a very shocking and insulting thing to a person with a very strong religious background.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I said Again, this on a
2: show once, and I basically, he didn't kick me off the show, but I wasn't allowed to really talk about any of this stuff anymore. <laughs> I remember well,
1: that. Well, well, when you stop to think about it, though, I mean, like I said, religion restricts us; it holds us prisoner. It does, and and it it doesn't mean. I, I mean, it, it, without religion, it doesn't mean people are evil. It just means that they have a different way of looking at at creation, and and. You know, and creation holds its laws, too, but but it isn't telling you what to believe and how to believe it. It's telling you what will happen if you do this, you know. It'll give you consequences of your actions, but it isn't that, that punishment is met out. It, it's that this is the consequences of what your actions are going to be. If you choose to do it, then that's what's going to happen. It's really that the, simple.
2: One of the things... That I've noticed in my life since I'm less religious in my thinking is I have a lot less anxiety and stress. I never realized how much anxiety I had because so so much of it was just like always there and subconscious sometimes even.
1: Uh mm-hmm. huh. Well, well, you know, when somebody tells you you're going to go to hell if you do this or that, then then that does set up that kind of stress. But but if you are focused on taking responsibility and being kind and loving and generous, then, then a threat isn't necessary. Then, then you, you have this wonderful energy that is just flowing forward that is of a spiritual nature. And that's, that's basically, um, you know, while, while I honor everybody's belief system, it, it, isn't, it, isn't, it isn't mine anymore. But that doesn't mean it doesn't work for them.
2: You know, it's interesting you you said about self-responsibility because I think that's part of what kind of frees us once we say, hey, I can do this, you know, Uh I I can be independent. I can be an independent thinker. I still think, I think maybe it's that religion kind of fosters dependence.
1: Well, of course it does. It's how they control us, (laughs) you know, and they do. I, it was very interesting,
2: and I know we're almost out of time. But the the guy I had on the show last night was a very good guy. But he talked about you know being a slave of God and a slave of Christ, and and how they in Greek times I guess they had this ritual they did with two indentured servants where they would pierce their earlobe and all this stuff, and it just seemed really creepy and strange to me, and I didn't like it. It didn't seem like a very healthy thing at all. <laughs> No,
1: no. I I just um, I don't know. It's it's just I'd rather be a child of the universe than a citizen of Earth. I think it gives you a a bigger expanse to play with and and more to learn about yourself for sure. And uh, we are getting down to two minutes. So where where can people get a hold of you if they would like to listen to your show, which is Ohio Exopolitics?
2: Well, I just Google. Ohio ExoPolitics E-X-O-P-O-L-I-T-I-C-S and um, there's the the main link for the website is blogtalkradio.com slash Ohio ExoPolitics but if you google it the link will pop up there's also a website that will pop up called um, exopolitics com Um, And I don't know how this is happening, but there there are other versions of Ohio ExoPolitics which are now appearing on the web, and I will throw some of those out real quick. It's called Player.fm Series Ohio ExoPolitics, but if you Google Ohio ExoPolitics, you'll see that, and there's also an Ohio ExoPolitics now on Twitter. TuneIn.com. Uh, what they're doing is just pulling my MP3s right off my website and creating other Ohio ExoPolitics, so that's just fine. I don't care. <laughs> Let them
1: listen. I'm, I'm well, not in this I, big money. I thank, so I, I thank you so much for being here tonight. I really appreciate your sharing your time with
2: me. Wow, two hours went fast. It's been fun. Yes, Thanks. It did. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And, and anybody listening, this will be up on YouTube sometime tomorrow. You can go to my YouTube channel and find it there. And find me at uh, BarbaraDeLong.com if you want to check me out a little bit more, too. And, uh, Mark, and I, Mark and I will definitely be back because I have only just skimmed the surface of all of his information. So stay tuned. We'll be back. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mark. Thanks again.
2: Good night.